sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. One of the main stories within the American Christian Church, and certainly the whole kind of church-state conflicts of recent years, is the story of Christian nationalism and the politicizing of the American church. The oldest Baptist lobby in our nation and in our nation's capital, the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, started a campaign several years ago called Christians Against Christian Nationalism. And I'm very pleased to, A, have signed up and that I'm a part of it, but to invite Reverend Jennifer Hawks, Associate General Counsel of the Baptist Joint Committee and an ordained Baptist minister to be my guest today. Jennifer, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Thank you for the invitation to return, Alan. Always enjoy being with you and your listeners. So, for starters, why did the Baptist Joint Committee decide to do this campaign, Christians Against Christian Nationalism? We launched the campaign back in the summer of 2019 because we had started to see some pretty violent expressions of Christian nationalism. There had been the shooting at Mother Emanuel Church in South Carolina. There had been the shooting in Pittsburgh at the Tree of Life Synagogue. There was the synagogue in California. And if you read the shooter's manifestos, there was a lot of language that we didn't have a word for it because Christian nationalism wasn't as common of a term in those days. Um, and so we gathered a group of interfaith pals um, up here in D.C. to meet and talk about what this problem is and what maybe we can do about it. And we had Christians and non-Christians at the table. And I remember especially the conversations that our Jewish friends had at the table and said, this is a really good thing, but you Christians need to lead on it. It's not safe for us to speak out about this topic at this point in time. And that broke my heart as someone who does religious advocacy in the nation's capital, that my neighbors who, you know, I love and break bread with and have worked on, on many campaigns together, they did not feel physically safe to raise concerns about about this very violent ideology that was that was affecting them so directly. So so we convened with um, a bunch of Christian denominational leaders around our table and we started to brainstorm and talk about ideas and we came up with a statement that Christians could sign. It is not a statement that is tied to a political party. It is not a partisan statement, but it's a statement of uh, religious freedom principles that we as Christians should be able to affirm. And so we've been really pleased with it. Again, we launched it in the summer of 2019, um, and we've got almost 30,000 signers at this point, which is great. And we get new signers every day. So we would love to have all of your listeners join us and invite three friends to join with them as well. Well, so good opportunity to plug the website. Go ahead. Where do people go and find the Baptist Joint Committee and read the statement? Well, we spun off a separate website just for this campaign. And so it's pretty easy to find. It's a long, long website, but it's ChristiansAgainstChristianNationalism.org. So all one word, no spaces. And that website has a lot of resources as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. But BJC's website is BJCOnline.org. Well, I certainly resonate with the idea that it's Christians especially who need to take the lead in criticizing Christian nationalism. With all that you guys have done uh, with respect to this, let's start with some defining of terms. 
and help our listeners understand, you know, what is it that we're talking about? What is Christian nationalism? And, you know, then we can talk about why we see it as incompatible with the gospel. Absolutely. Definitions are always a, a great starting point. So we see Christian nationalism as a political ideology that is mer- trying to merge our Christian and American identities. Basically saying to be a real American, you have to be Christian. And to be a true Christian, you have to be an American. And um, we as people of faith know that that's just completely wrong. Um, that my church, I'm sure your church, we send missionaries around the world. We support the spreading of the gospel in, in other countries because we know the kingdom of God is not limited by any national border. And then, you know, any student of American history realizes we've had religious diversity on our country shores from the very beginning. Um, we've always had different forms of Christianity and we've always had non-Christians um, as a part of our makeup. And so it's religious and non-religious um, Americans and citizens and, and and residents who have built a strong foundation that we have today. You know, it strikes me, Jennifer, that um, all nations have a tendency to make of Jesus a national idol. And that we've done that, you know, um, theologians have written about how during World War I, Germany, England, France, all claimed Jesus as uniquely on their side. You know, the Nazis were famous for saying God was with us, you know, and invoking God. And, you know, it's part of the American tradition when politicians invoke, you know, God bless America, you know, in their political speeches, you know, the the real message is uh, vote for me because God is on my side. You know, I'm God's guy. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that there aren't plenty of politicians who have a sincere faith. But I think we tend to make Jesus into an American idol that does not resemble at all the Jesus that we read about in the Bible. I think that's very dangerous. I wonder if you can speak to that from your theological perspective as as a Baptist minister. Well, I remember in my Baptist youth group growing up, one of the our teachers would throw out is that God made us in his image and we returned the favor by remaking him in ours. And so as a way to say we have as humans, we have this unique ability to redefine God and make him smaller um, so that he can be contained um, and by us so that we know exactly what he wants and what he's asked us to do. And and typically that God never challenges us to do anything that we don't want to do, doesn't ask us to get, to give up something for our faith or to reach out to that person that's unpopular or to take a stand um, that the God that we have made um, very comfortable with all the things that we like and all the things that we dislike. You know, I have preached that myself, but uh, as my mom would say, plagiarism is the highest form of flattery. I'm going to steal that line about having uh, returned the favor to God. That's a fantastic um, turn of a phrase. I love that. Yeah. But, you know, to me, you know, as and I, I'm not ordained, but but I have ministerial credentials and I care very much for how we present Jesus to those who don't yet know him. And it strikes me that that fundamentally Christian nationalism uh, makes the gospel unattractive. You know, if Jesus is this sort of associated with the political aspirations of a partisan community, uh, it really makes him out of reach of so many Americans. And it's so counterproductive to the ministry of the church. Certainly, Christian nationalism makes evangelism hard because church and state become united under this banner of Christian nationalism. 
then it's always the church that's going to that's going to be subverted and it's going to be reduced and lessened to serve the interests of the state. Um, part of its danger as a political political ideology is that it gives unwavering support and justification to the powers that be. And powers that be are always looking for their justification to remain in power. Um, and and if they can adapt this religious devotion, um, it's adapted in a way that doesn't allow for dissent. It doesn't allow for disagreement. And th- that's one of the things we like to point out, that nationalism is not the same as patriotism. So w- we are not saying that Christians can't love America or that Christians shouldn't love America. You can be very patriotic and never come close to, to being a Christian nationalist. My dad was a, a Marine who served during Vietnam. I grew up with the American flag and the Marine Corps flags flying outside of my childhood home, still there flying. Um, he was a police officer. I've got a brother who's a firefighter. I've got friends who are public school teachers. We vote in our elections. We may protest policies. There are all kinds of ways to be patriotic Americans. And, and those are all good and healthy. And Christians should absolutely engage in those activities. But when, when your patriotism crosses into nationalism and calls for an allegiance to, to this, this political figure or, or political idea that requires you to subvert your, your Christianity or your, your, your faith tradition requires you to subvert your family ties, then we have a problem and we have crossed into very dangerous territory, very dangerous territory. And I also want to point out that Christian nationalism isn't unique to Christianity. Religious nationalism can occur in any religion, in any country, in, in any context. Right. But the form of religious nationalism in the United States that we have a problem with and that we are called to confront is Christian nationalism. Well, that's true. We certainly have seen, for example, Hindu nationalism being uh, uh, very much of a problem for religious freedom in India. Absolutely. And and other forms of Islamic nationalism that have certainly become violent and dangerous. Uh, So there is that tendency. You know, two things that struck me as I'm listening to you. First is that the very nature of the gospel itself. You know, we read, for example, in Galatians 2, that it obliterates distinctions. You know, there is no male or female, slave or free, rich or poor, we're all one in Christ. So national distinctions are really irrelevant uh, in light of the universal nature of of what Jesus has accomplished for all humanity in offering salvation. Um, but secondly, I'm also thinking of that sort of cryptic passage in Revelation 13. Uh, most Christians are familiar with at least the imagery of the mark of the beast in 666. And without going into, you know, sort of uh, detailed interpretations, the passage describes the worship of the beast and the second beast that becomes or forms an image of the first beast. And generally, it's understood that beasts represent nations in the prophetic scenarios. So the worship of a beast is the worship of a nation. It's, it's, it is a form of nationalism. And so I think Christians especially should beware that, uh, you know, crossing the line between love of country and genuine patriotism and nationalism has prophetic implications. It becomes a form of idolatry, really, because, you know, by definition, idolatry is the worship of anyone or anything other than the the creator God, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons we started this campaign and named it specifically Christians Against Christian Nationalism is because we care about our country. We love our constitutional republic that our founders 
wrote the Constitution and, and gave us the system, or at least the foundation for the system that we have today. But we also love the church and, and we want the church to thrive and to survive. And to do that, it has to be distinct from the state. It has to be something other than. And, and all the political parties have some policies that align really well with the gospel. And then they also have policies that don't align really well with the gospel. And so it's, it's just completely inappropriate to think that we can capture the fullness of the kingdom of God in something like a, a political party in one single country on our planet, no matter what country it is or, or what that party is. It, it's just, it's, it's just, God is so big and is, is just so beyond who we are and, and what we're capable of doing that it's, it's, it's also hubris to, to, to think that we can capture it and boil it down and that we can give a checklist of, of policies. And if you, if you agree with these, then, then God's on your side and, and, and God's against everyone else. And to me, this speaks to the division that we have in our country. And there are people on both sides of that divide who insist that, well, um, if you're a Christian, you have to have the same politics that I do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, either Jesus is a Republican or Jesus is a Democrat. And, uh, you know, I'm quite convinced that he's neither. <laughs> yeah, he certainly had lots of problems with the Roman Empire. And I think he would have a lot of the same problems with even our de- democratic system. It's certainly a different system than the political world that, that, that he was living and ministering in as, as a human. Um, but, you know, there are definitely the things he criticized the government for. A lot of those are still at play in, in, in our democratic system. Well, we're out of time. Our guest today, Reverend Jennifer Hawks from the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. We've been talking about the campaign Christians Against Christian Nationalism. By all means, look it up online, uh, christiansagainstchristiannationalism.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.